Welcome to this episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Uh, joining me on the phone, it is guitar great Michael Shanker. His new album is Immortal, and it comes out at the end of January, January 29th, to be specific. It is absolutely mind-blowing, as all things Michael Shanker are. And uh, Alan Niven, uh, bonjour. Comment allez-vous? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Uh, you know, fighting off a bit of a a New Year's cold, but... You know, one more day and hopefully better ones coming. Yeah, I don't know how you get a cold out in Arizona. I know how we get them here in Montreal. But uh, I got to say, I've been cold free this year. The fact that I get to work from home, I don't get to meet anybody who's giving me any cold. So it's fantastic. I got to love that. But, uh, but yes, you know what it is. It's the Petri dish that our kids swim in. You know, our kids are perfect and our kids are healthy until we send them off to school and then they come back with weird diseases and uh, odd, odd frames of mind. <laughs> well, you know, I got to say, my uh, my daughter has graduated high school and my son is in grade nine. Uh, I don't know how you count it in the States, but here we say grade nine. And when they were in kindergarten, grade one, grade two, grade three, every September, no fail, you know, within two weeks of school starting, I had something, usually a bronchitis, usually a, a sinus infection, or I, there was always something and it was major and it required pills. And now that they've moved up and they're not, and now that my son's doing all the online work, I've been, I've been sick free for, you know, no colds, no sore throats, no bronchitis. It's, it's been terrific. So I kind of hope he stays home well, you, for the next three years. You, you, you know what the miracle was talking about petri dishes um one of the ultimate potential petri dishes is also called a tour bus and the fact that more people weren't stricken with nasty diseases in the early 80s was a goddamn miracle but i can remember when certain things started to surface everybody i knew was in a state of total panic. Yeah, well, we're, we're, we're surviving. But let's get over to Michael Schenker. Now, I'm really, really late to the party when it comes to Michael Schenker and UFO. I mean, like, like incredibly late, like, like embarrassingly late. But, and I, I've mentioned this in different interviews and on different uh, podcasts, when you listen to what Schenker was doing in 71, 72, 73, 74, and then you listen to Randy Rose, and then you listen to Eddie Van Halen, you go, ooh, there's definitely an influence there uh, for you who were certainly more uh, uh, willing to listen to UFO than I was 20 years ago or, or even longer. What did Schenker mean to you in terms of a guitarist or a songwriter or, or is, is he a guitar god or is he just a guitarist? No, he's, a, he's an exceptional player and there's a, um, a very beguiling, unique factor to him um you know being a bit of a brit um we the, the, you can have the attitude of looking at continental europe and going yeah they try every now and then but you know the french don't know how to rock and roll and the germans aren't that good at it they they tend to be far too precise in in their writing and their performance 
And for me with, with Michael, he was, he, he had a reputation in the early seventies that actually exceeded UFO. And for me, given that I was so young and so heavily opinionated back in those days, UFO were not quite there. They were trying hard, but didn't quite pull it off. And then in 1977, they put out a record that just took me out at the knees. And I went, now we have it. Now, now we've got great material, convincing emotional performances, and this extraordinary ability of Michael to play with feel within precision, um, which is the unique qualities that he has. He, he's a very precise player, but he moves you. And I mean, you know, we could sit here, we could go through countless very precise players who don't move you, but Michael does. And that album, Lights Out by UFO, is to me a timeless classic. It sounds as good to me today as it did in the beginning of 1977. I, I am going to agree with that because I'm... I think of the songs on there, Too Hot to Handle, uh, Lights Out, uh, Electric Face in particular, and of course, Love to Love. Now, you told me a while back, Love to Love was the greatest song ever, or one of, or your favorite song, or one of your favorite songs, and I went, eh, you know, it's kind of okay. And then I listened, and I listened, and I listened, and yeah, it, it is absolutely a bona, bona fide classic. I mean, it, it is fantastic, yeah. and I've heard different versions I've heard Steve Overland of FM sing it. I've heard other bands. And it it is that good that it almost it, it transcends anybody's interpretation or anybody's vocal. You know, when you have a song that's that good, almost any interpretation uh, will work and 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 it does. So, yeah, you were right. I have to give uh, I acquiesce to or I, I give to you. It's one of those songs Mitch though that goes into um the column of don't even think about trying to cover it because the original recorded version on Lights Out is so definite and splendid. Resist the temptation of going, oh, I wouldn't mind having a go at that. You know, it, it, it's just far, far too good a performance to even have the temerity to pick up a guitar and go, yeah, let's knock that out and see how it goes. No, love to love you don't touch. It's magnificent. It is what it is. And it is. There it is. And and you know what? Uh, UFO released in November this Strangers in the Night deluxe box set, which captures them uh, six shows in a row, October 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th, 1978. And you hear Michael's playing and you hear Love to Love and you hear Rock Bottom and you know, uh, folks will go, well, it's six shows in a row. I'm not going to buy that. It's the same thing. It's like, no, 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 you don't understand. This band was on, and every single night, it's 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 the same show, but it's it's a very different show because uh, Michael would play whatever inspired him. So the solos are different, the pings are different, the bends, uh, everything is just there's just these little nuances, and you go, ooh, well, okay, and that's what Michael Schenker is. He's just a very creative guy, and it's uh, it was it was a pleasure to talk well, to him. That that goes to another aspect of him as a performer in that Michael is somebody who is in the moment, whatever that moment is, whether it's a plate of mashed potatoes or his guitar. He loves mashed potatoes, by the way. Um, he, he's very much in the moment. 
And in terms of not listening to somebody play the same song, even in the same week, what do we say to all the Grateful Dead fans who spent their lives trying to accumulate every single performance by that band? Um, the reason they did it was because the band that they loved was in the moment, and each moment was slightly different. So go check the UFO box out. It's yep. worth it for Michael. Yeah, and before we get over to Michael, I'll, just, I'll finish on that thought is – we we've lost that in in the in the 2000s you know you used to go to a show whether it was Aerosmith or whether it was UFO or or anybody Led Zeppelin and there was always something in the moment now it's so sanitized it you, you can go to five shows on the same tour and you're getting the exact same show all five nights the only thing that changes is instead of hey Montreal they say hey Cleveland and and I kind of wish we'd go back to in the moment and not precise dialed in on the, on the grid and, oh, you know, whatever. Unfortunate. But well, it takes away the excitement. I mean, you know, there's been a couple of bands I've worked with that uh, in the moment could be sublime or in the moment could be catastrophic. Let's toss a coin and see what happens tonight. <laughs> well, I've, I've been to one of those at the Olympic stadium and I know anyway, uh, here is a guitarist extraordinaire, the one, the only, Michael Shanker. Yeah. Good. I'm I'm ready to talk about the uh, the new album, Immortal, and I have to say it is it is a fucking masterpiece. It is so good, so good. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, you, you know. So, in fact, let's just start the interview right now. Let me let me talk to you about this Immortal because I'm a huge fan. I actually have 1,700 Michael Shanker group. UFO and Scorpion songs in, in my phone, and your playing is phenomenal. So let me talk about these singers here on, on Immortal. You have uh, Ralph Shapers, Jolyn Turner, Ronnie Romero, Michael Voss. Um, talk to me about choosing the, 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 the different singers for the different songs, because when, when you look at your career, whether it's Life Sundin, whether it's Gary Barton, whether it's Michael uh, Robin McCauley, I should say, you've always chosen great singers and the perfect singers for each song talk to me about the choices of singers this time you know it's it's kind of a long story um if you have time um you know because in um 2019 i actually decided to do the the 50th anniversary and uh with with guests and uh, guest musicians, uh, friends and fans. And it kind of dragged on and dragged on. And, and I got to the point where I actually thought I missed the timing for the 2020 uh, 50th anniversary. And then I went to the 70,000 metal, uh, tons of metal, the cruise thing. And, uh, and, and, you know, in the meantime, I actually gave up doing this album um, because I didn't think it was possible to uh, release the album in 2020, you know, which would have been the 50th anniversary. Then my agent told me, um, but Michael, you released, you know, Lonesome Crow, The Scorpions released the album at uh, in 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 seventy two, and I went like, ah, that gives me two years to celebrate. Fantastic! So I've got plenty of time. 
but uh, you know, at that point, um, I decided because it's so difficult to get musicians, you know, from all over the world connected and make things happening that I decided to uh, keep it more compact. Um, you know, I was very happy with, uh, you know, to get a, a, a band that is, you know, just the band without any guests. And so uh, I was very happy with uh, Ronnie Romero. Uh, he was singing on Resurrection, <clears throat> or was it Evolution or Resurrection, I think. And... Uh, so I I uh, decide, and then Barry Sparks um, he kept emailing me. Uh, he, I want to play on your album, and I said, okay, you got it. <laughs> and uh, you know, so it went like, and then Bodo Shop, Steve Mann, and uh, myself. Uh, 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 did I leave somebody out? So you know, it was a, a five piece, and. Uh, when I came off the cruise, you know, I had my recording equipment with me uh, on the cruise just in case I, I, um, you know, it gets bored uh, five days on the cruise. But I never actually recorded any. I never actually wrote anything then. But when I came off the cruise, I actually uh, spent four days in Miami in a hotel before I went back home to the UK and. Uh, you know, so so I I, I started going and uh, hoping you know things can work out. And uh, the strange thing was that as I was doing all of this, uh, or as time you know was moving, um, all of a sudden you know I I I you know I came back to the UK. Uh, I I switched on the TV and then eventually there was like a virus thing and uh, restrictions and uh, it, it, it became very alarming. That was around, um, you know, March maybe. And, and, and it started picking up very fast in the UK too. And uh, so now everything became more complicated because all the borders, you know, my usually route that I take by car um, is um, going to, you know, the Euro Channel and uh, via um, France, Belgium, Holland, and then make it to the studio to Michael Foss, the co-producer, uh, in Germany. And, uh, but... <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't, it was not possible to do it. So my team told me, uh, there is a way, you know, to, to go from, from Brighton to, um, uh, to Harwich and then take a ferry, sleep overnight, seven hours or something like that, and then get to the hook of Holland and, 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 and you can make it to, to the studio. And so, I, I actually, in the process of all of that, I had to go back and forth from uh, the UK and Germany um, four times. And every time, except for one time, I had to go on, four, uh, on, on 14 days quarantine. So that was quite uh, 
you know, a, 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 a heavy task, you know, to accept. Uh, but, you know, I'm the leader of the band. I'm putting it together. It's my 50th anniversary. So, you know, I, 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 I had to be the one to, you know, I actually ended up 42 hours, uh, 42 days on quarantine altogether. Unbelievable. You know, it, 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 I have a beautiful house and a, and a, a beautiful property and, and I rediscovered my garden. The first 14 days was great and, you know, I designed things and repair things and stuff like that. Next 14 days was a bit more boring. The, the last 14 days, I, I would not recommend to anybody. It was really, really hard. But if I wouldn't have done that, the album would have never happened. So, it leads me to your question. Um, I came to the first time I came to Germany. Uh, I made it to Germany. Uh, put all my uh, written music down uh, on, on a backing track. I mean, like uh, you know, just just um, to put everything down um, the way I and, and then arranged it, and you know, and and and, and get a picture of what the album was going to be like uh, based on 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 just hearing um, you know electronic drums and electronic bass and 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 my guitar uh, um, you know rhythm uh, backing um, the compositions in general and uh, then when it was time to actually do the first vocal we called up uh, Ronnie Romero and and said, "Sorry, sorry, sorry, I can't. Everything is blocked, locked. Uh, you know, I, I think he lives in Bulgaria, and uh, and I have commitments, and and uh, I can't go on 14 days quarantine. You know, even my drummer, you know, he lives in Italy, and uh, he started to put everybody got scared. <laughs> it was amazing that they, they all." You know, fortunately, I, all my musicians are producers and and uh, and uh, uh, engineers, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, have their own studio, and so it it I had to start to improvise. You know, I said to Ronnie, "Don't worry, if he cannot make it now, um, I'm, I, I, we will look for a solution, and we'll, you know, we get in touch with you later." Uh, then Amy, my partner, who is a bass player, um, she, she has got a very good taste. And I don't listen to music for the last 50 years, so I don't know what's out there. And uh, she said, well, ship us, you know. And I said, okay, if you say so, I trust you. And I said to Michael Foss, what about, do you know Ralph? He said, absolutely, he is a fantastic singer. And he's also, uh, you know, from Germany. And the next day, they were recording. It was unbelievable. And and that became the beginning of the first vocals for for the album and uh, on, on Drill to Kill. And uh, then, uh, almost simultaneously. Um, Brian Titchy called up Michael Foss and said, uh, I want to make a 
uh, tribute to Mike Roshenka. I offer six drums, uh, six songs on drums. And uh, uh, I went, what? That's on the, that's that's amazing. He's one of the best drummers, you know. He, he, I agree. He was. He's terrific. He was unbelievable. He actually was on the on the first Temple of Rock on the second Temple of Rock album um, before the Devil Knows Your Dad were, with Doogie singing, and it was phenomenal. I mean, drumming was unbelievable, and so. Um, if that wasn't enough, he he called back Michael Cross, a buddy of mine. He wants to. He's also a Michael Schenker fan. He wants to make a, a tribute to 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 Michael Schenker. And and I said to Michael Cross, but what he's a heavy duty keyboard player. What are we gonna do with? I mean, we already have Steve Mann. Oh, I, that's the guy I left out earlier. I think, and and he's. You know, I wanted to keep the album more guitar orientated and uh, ask Steve, we asked Steve, you know, just to put some coloring in, to, to keep, you know, like some sweetness and stuff like that, but keep it really a metal, you know, but but I want, you know, to make it more guitar. And, and I had written all my guitar parts and so that it, it was the only way to do it. And... Uh, and so Michael first said, like, well, Michael, uh, why don't you do a jam, you know, with, and the guy, <laughs> the buddy was Derek Sherinian, you know, and he is like a, a top 10. Maestro. He's a, he's a um, maestro. He, Derek is awesome. You, yeah. you, you can't go wrong yeah. with Derek. But <laughs> I didn't know that, you know, I, I knew nothing. And, and, you know, uh, and, Eventually, we put it all to. Oh, and I said, uh, "Well, you mean like, what are we going to do with Derek? You, well, my, maybe you can make a do a jam with him. You know, I said a jam with. I, 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 we already have got Steve. I, 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 I've never done a a a um, keyboard um, a guitar jam." Um, and he said, and Michael said that well, maybe it's the first time. Maybe it's good. Maybe your fans will love it. You know, yeah, I've never done it before, and it, it puts a fresh new approach, um, at least for one song. And I said to him, "You mean like John Lord and Richie Blackmore? Yeah, something like that." I said, "Okay, maybe you're right. You know, I think it, it would be something." that I have never done before in 50 years. And so many people would be very surprised to hear something like that. And, and uh, you know, so before I even knew, I had an incredible singer, Ralph, and an incredible drummer, Brian, and an incredible keyboard player, Derek, on the opening song, Trill to Kill. I was blown away when when all of that came together. I, I tell you, I was so happy, and especially because it's straight in your face. It's 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 up and it's metal and it's it it's just. I mean, it's it. I'm so happy with that song. You oh, know, it's a great and song. That, and then wait till you get to sail the darkness and the queen of thorn and roses. I mean, those those are singles. I mean, those are so good and. Uh, I, by the way, you, you mentioned Barry Sparks. He played on that album, Written in the Sand. 
which is such an overlooked album. That written in the sand album is so yeah. effing good. And that song itself written in the sand is, is I don't want to say it's a pop song, but it's just, it's just a great fun. It puts you in a good mood when you hear that song. Let me, let me just ask you just, uh, just real quick. Um, in Search of Peace of Mind, of course, came out with the Scorpions years and years ago. This new reimagined version is so incredibly epic. I mean, there's no other word. It's epic. Uh, talk to me about revisiting that one. And, and I guess it sort of ties into the whole 50th anniversary concept, right? You're going to go back to the beginning and say, okay, here's where I was then. Here it is where it's now. Talk to me about, about redoing that one and, and just what that song means to you in general. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it was a, a a perfect song to finish the album, and the most you know the, the most important song, and 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 the reason is because I was 15 years old when I was actually put the first note on the you know the, ever recording something, and that was with the Scorpions' "Lonesome Crow." Uh, it's a song that I wrote when I was 15 years old in my mother's kitchen all by myself. There was nobody involved. And uh, Michael Frost actually sent me the original credits of the uh, Lonesome Crow album. And it says Michael Schenker lyrics, Rudolf Schenker lyrics. Rudolf and I had zero knowledge of English. How could we have written any lyrics? You know, so complete misinformation. I should have said uh, music written by Michael Schenker and... Uh, and whoever did the lyrics. And so, because, oh, and also, the weirdest thing on this song, that it was my very first composition at age 15, and it had a solo in there that was so perfect, like, I would never change a note, ever. You know, like theme of the imaginary rest done by Leslie West or or um, Stairway to Heaven. You you just don't. It, it something like that happens. You know, and uh, you would never change a note. It's I I couldn't understand where it came from because I was in my developing years, and uh, you can hear on the rest of the Lonesome Crow album that I'm a you know, an amateur and I'm learning and, you know, phenomenon, faucet, uh, no heavy patting, you know, year by year, everything got better and better. And uh, so I, it, it, it you know, it, it just is such a, and, and actually the composition itself was actually pretty uh, complicated to play. Even Rudolf, he, he can't play the you know the fast picking and all of that kind of stuff on that song and uh and and you know and it, it and and the title of it in search of the peace of mind is is the theme of my life you know looking for contentment and it, it all ties completely all the way and you said epic and that is exactly Right. What I wanted to do. Oh, the, I it is to so make, epic. It is so epic. I wanted to make an epic out of it and put an extra piece on the end that in the end was again so incredible because it, I don't know how it ended up that way, but but 
it almost sounds like, because of in search of peace of mind, looking for contentment, it sounds like an inner conversation, you know, within ourselves, you know, within myself. Um, that there are so many different colors, uh, you know, wawa and the howler, and and it's like question and answer. Shall I go this way? Shall I go? It's like an inner conversation of creating turmoil or happiness, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you can. When I listen back to it, I, it sounds like I'm having a conversation, you know, and, and actually um, describing in the end my, my whole 50 years. And and so it, it, it could have not turned out better than that. Uh, I've got a whole bunch of extra questions, but I'll, I'll ask you this. I was talking to Rev Jones the other day, who, who played bass with you for a while, um, he explained that your process to make a record is that you go in and you put all the guitars down and then it's up for the singers and the drummers and the bass players to figure out where, is that the recording process now? Is that still what you do? You yeah. Go, okay. It, yeah. It's basically, it's basically always the same because I know what I want. I, uh, I, um, my, 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 uh, passion is pure self-expression. You know, I go to the inner uh, infinite uh, spring of creativity that uh, never, you know, there, there is never an end. And uh, and I've never been part of a trend. Uh, instead, actually, I became a trend maker uh, because people, you know, copied my, my lead guitar style in the 80s. And uh, I actually didn't know that until later. I'm, I'm the kid in the sandbox just having fun, no competition, not comparing and, and, you know, not looking for fame or anything is, it's just, you know, I just love to enjoy putting three notes together and, and creating goose pimples. So when I go into the studio, um, even my co-producer, he has no idea what I'm going to be putting down. <laughs> and so and he, 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 he looks back, uh, in the beginning, like 10 years ago when we started, um, you know, and I said, listen, uh, Michael Foss, this is not a master class or a guitar clinic. Please focus on the production. And so he never looked back again since. And so Michael Foss actually um, used that time to to make B plans for lyrics and melodies. And that's how we got Warrior. Warriors, one of the best songs, you know, uh, uh, in my 50 years. And, uh, you know, I came back from the hotel and, and he said to me, look, this is what I did to your to your um, musical composition. And it became Warrior. I said, like, this is unbelievable, you know. And uh, it was then shared with all the other singers, which then Michael Foss had an idea. He, Michael Foss, by the way, he's a Michael Schenker fan, MSG fan. He's an 80s fan. He is a McCollish, he is a Bonnet fan, he is a, a, a Gary Barton fan. So he understands, you know, what I, when I speak to him and when I, you know, when we talk about, um, okay, let's figure out now, we have put down this guitar for that musical composition. Let's um, listen to me what I imagine the drums should be like to give 
the musicians a rough direction of where the journey goes because you know it's a difference between knowing there's a half time or or a double time you know and so i have to kind of um create some kind of a understanding of where the journey goes and uh, michael foss is so amazing picking up you know what i'm telling um, and then he puts his own Michael Frost stuff to it, and he's so good in 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 doing that, and 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 it's just a, a very compatible uh, working relationship that um, when people when you know when the other musicians in the end get get the um, the rough idea of the backing track, they can start to fantasize on you know like uh, what they can do with it and and uh, you know and, and and you know put their own stuff to it uh, make suggestions and stuff like that and uh, and so you know the indication of the backing track you know gives them an idea what to do with it and and the same goes for the singers and uh, you're right i never ever tell a singer lyrically especially what to sing about because I've never been interested in lyrics. You know, I, I, I grew up listening to music. Uh, I stopped listening to music, um, started stopping, you know, like 15, 16, 17, 18, and then it was done. You know, then I had enough. I learned enough from Jeff Beck and (laughs) my favorite players from the sixties. And, uh, and so it, 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 it just um, um, I kind of lost my train. Well, it's okay. Um, I was going to take up on what you said. You, you talked about the influences, and I have always said that if you listen to early Eddie Van Halen or Ernie Van Halen or early Randy Rhodes, there's a lot of Michael Schenker isms in their playing, especially on those first two Van Halen albums. You, you listen to some of the stuff you did with UFO or, or Scorpions, and then you hear the Van Halen stuff, and you go, hey, wait a minute. That's Michael's <laughs> so so yeah I I hear a lot of that in 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 the playing um that that's exactly what Rudolf said you know many years ago you said like Michael did you know that Eddie is actually playing a little bit of your melody line I said what really? he is in I, mean, uh, I think it's the song everybody know, and, wants and, some and, and, yeah and, it's, and uh, I don't know because I, I, you know what the funny thing is they were actually supporting UFO with the Starwood when I first came over to America I was 19 years old and you know people said like oh this your support band has a really great guitar band uh, guitar uh, a guitar player and but I never took any notice and uh, ignored it completely and later I, I never knew Ben Halen was supporting UFO then I I only found out many many years later because I never look back I always go forward I do what I do and, and I don't compare I don't you know uh, but it, it's just unbelievable that uh, um, you know in that was actually five years probably or four years before they brought out their, their, their first um, Van Halen album, you know. And Scorpions and I, we actually went to see them in the 79 when I uh, helped the Scorpions uh, with the Left Trap album to open the doors for America for them. 
because I already had written a hit with Lights Out and I was only 21 in 76. And, uh, you know, we had Obsession Strangers in the Night and it, it, the, the band uh, was really going to be one of the biggest bands in the world, you know, but then I left for various different reasons. And uh, uh, Rudolf found out, I did the Scorpions left track album because Matthias wasn't able to do it and so on. But, you know, it's it's just like there's so much that was revealed to me uh, in the 50 years, but not so much in the beginning because I would not listen to any, I would not listen to anybody telling me anything probably. But later when I got older and in the 90s, I found out that Kirk Hammett and uh, Iron Maiden and, and Def Leppard and, uh, you know, Slash and, and all those guitarists were actually fans, and I never knew, and, and it just continued over the years, and uh, and so you know I I'm shocked today because like um, Eddie Van Halen I, for me is, is is you know basically the best you know and and I never knew I, I was all you know. It, even though I say I don't listen to music for 50 years, but some music you cannot ignore. It comes out of a lobby. Uh, uh, it comes out in a boutique while you're trying <laughs> clothes on yeah, or something. Of so some, that's, how, that's how I discovered Metallica, the unforgiving, beautiful song. You know, and so it, it's just, I was blown away when I heard like, how, how on earth is he doing this? You know, and then later I found out it was tapping technique, but Eddie, and then everybody copied it and trashed him, you know, because at the end you couldn't, you didn't know anymore who was who. I mean, there was like, uh, you know, uh, 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 um, guitar lessons in Los Angeles. Uh, there was like thousands of people walking around with guitar learning you know, overnight success, which doesn't exist, but True. you know, they trashed it to Eddie, uh, but Eddie had more than that. He had melody. He had, uh, his drum, his brother is a drummer and, uh, you know, obviously is in a family in the jeans and, uh, he has a phenomenal sense of rhythm and he has a phenomenal, uh, understanding of sound and, and then, of course, with Templeman, uh, the producer, all together, they, the first album, what I heard of it was so incredible, you know. And so, so Eddie kind of became for me, you know, the best there is, you know. I mean, Jimi Hendrix, I, I actually discovered him much, much later in my life. I never really was that keen on it. But later I found how long the how long the watchtower, you know, the sound and what he was playing was is now for me, you know, later in my life, unbelievable, but completely different to what um, you know Eddie does. But uh, you know, Eddie is the younger generation, and of course, evolved and and gone in a in a new direction to what Jimi Hendrix did or Jeff Beck or Leslie West, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it's phenomenal. I mean, Eddie was phenomenal. Eddie was absolutely phenomenal. And, and I know we've run out of time. We've had half an hour. I just want to just add two, two quick things. 
Michael Voss did an album with Herman Rarebell, uh, Rockwolves, a couple of years ago. Phenomenal. I, I love Michael, a great talent. And uh, the album you did with Pete Way, other than the UFO stuff, of course, The Plot. What a f- I love that album. It is so much fun. That is such a great time. Uh, yeah. And, and lots yeah, of great it, memories it, for, for Pete. It, it's, it's funny that you say that because, you know, I helped uh, Pete way out many times, you know, uh, throughout the 50 years. And uh, unfortunately, he lost control and, and drifted away. And, uh, you know, in the end, he, he died earlier than he should have. I mean, the, he, he has got such a charisma and, and uh, you know, but he was singing and he said, like, Michael, look, I have this. Uh, I want to be the singer on this. And, and I said, OK, well, we share this 50 50. And 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 that's how it became. The, even even the um, um, uh, what's the song? Uh, what, what is the band? Uh, Megadeth. Megadeth. Um, yeah. Marty Freeman. Yeah. He came over to my studio. I, I had built a studio, a recording studio, first class recording studio. And, and actually, Marty Freeman. He came over, he found out about it, and, and he almost ended up playing on it. But I actually did all the lead guitar, and, you know, it worked out so amazing, just like you said. It was so unusual. It's a fun time. album. It, it, when when <laughs> I listened to it, and I actually listened to it again last night, it, it sounds like, you know, you and, and Jeff Martin, and the three or four guys in the living room just having a wild crazy party and it's it's just there's such an energy to those songs it's, they're just fun you feel like you're in the living room watching you pete and everybody play and it it just it's it's very um it's very festive in terms of uh, in terms of album I, I think it's just i think it's brilliant uh, you know but i, I listen I, i'm like i said i have 1700 1700 songs in a playlist called the michael shanker scorpions ufo playlist so uh, i'm i'm sold on all of this stuff now i know i know we're past half an hour so unfortunately we have to go i have about another eighteen thousand questions but we will do it i guess for next time <laughs> yes next time yes thank you always a pleasure and and keep doing what you're doing and folks uh, immortal is a freaking masterpiece buy not one but two copies you'll need to keep one for later because you're going to wear the first one out thank you michael Oh, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thanks Cheers. for the interview. Take care. You too now. Bye-bye now. Cheers.